on 891am, digital radio and the ABC Listen app. You're with Deb Tribe and John Lamb, live from the Royal Adelaide Show on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. Broken Hill. Good morning and welcome to Talk Back Gardening, live again from the ABC stage in the Jubilee Pavilion at the Royal Adelaide Show. Good morning, John. Good morning, Deb, and good morning to gardeners that have already been to the show and seen what the horticultural display looks like two days to go. I know. So if you're coming along today, make sure you come and say hello. We would love to see you. You can even ask John a live Talk Back Gardening question if we can squeeze it in between some of the fantastic guests that we're going to be speaking to this hour. This week we're taking a look at some of the people behind the show. Last week we were looking at some of the competitors and the people that put the displays together. But it doesn't just happen. There are people that organise it and they're fascinating people to talk to. And uh, shortly we'll talk to uh, the person behind Brett Draper. We often talk to Brett, who's the uh, the, we call him the organiser of the show, but behind him is the chairman of the Horticultural Committee. And the whole committee, yeah, as well. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we'll take a look at John and he'll uh, talk us through who's behind it and and uh, the fascinating stories that go with it. That's right and I'm really excited because we're always looking at how to grow audiences for the Royal Adelaide show as we grow in our gardens and of course uh, succession planning is all about inspiring young gardeners and Urbray High School has been very much involved with the Royal Adelaide show and I think they might have won some prizes. We're going to speak to three year seven students about their experience here at the show and of course we will end the show talking to another couple of brilliant people involved yes. every year. Jeff Fuller has been involved with the Horticultural Committee. He has a, a vast uh, experience in the horticultural industry, formerly uh, CEO for the nursery and garden industry. But uh, Jeff was going to talk about his involvement with the society and maybe uh, as he steps down as a committee member, he might encourage others to Step become up. part of the program. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, look, I can't guarantee we'll get to many questions this morning. If you'd like to hang out there and and maybe get one in, you can call on 1300 222891. But we value your comments on 0467922891. If you are coming to the Royal Adelaide Show this morning, I just want to let you know that following a review by the Adelaide City Council, parking at Park 21W and Park 22 have been reopened and Park 23 remains operational as it has been all week. But parking is no longer available at Netball SA Stadium Mile End. However, coach transfers will continue to operate at regular intervals from the multi-storey car park on 33 Richmond Road. And that free shuttle surface, service, I should say, operates from 7 in the morning until 10 in the evening. But of course, showgoers are encouraged to make use of public transport, including the dedicated Adelaide Showground train station and the dedicated temporary Royal Show bus routes and nearby tram station. Well, with that said, let's talk to the man that is behind the Horticultural and Agricultural Committee here at the Royal Adelaide Show, and that is John Schultz, who is its chair. John, another show. How many has it been now? For me? Yes. I've, I've lost count long ago. <laughs> <laughs> long, long ago, Deb. <laughs> John, you have got a, a vast background in horticulture and also environment. In fact, uh, you're stepping down as the CEO for the Department of mm. Environment and wa- Water, mm. and so uh, we might weld, um, weld, weld, yeah. meld, meld 
put it together, <laughs> some of the comments uh, and information from conservation into what you're doing here at the show. But let's look at the show committee. It doesn't just happen. There are people behind yourself, and we never see you, but we know you're there. We see a lot of Brett Draper, and we mm. talk to him often. Mm. But behind that, there is a committee. Mm. Who are they? How many of them? And where do they come from? Thank you, John. Good morning to you and to your listeners. So, yes, the Society is this amazing organisation that's made up of literally thousands of people that dedicate their time to pull the show together. And horticulture is no different. So we've, we've got a committee made up of, of, of councillors and, and others, all volunteers. Um, there's eight uh, what we call councillor committee members, uh, and then we have others that sort of uh, help out. So we've got people like John Hall, Newman's Nursery, who's he's actually overseas at the moment uh, with his wife Di, not here. He's been uh, on the committee for decades. Uh, so he's a councillor. We've got um, Brett, of course, who's well known to you, Brett Draper. You hear from him regularly. Anne Fletcher, uh, also on the committee. Um, and uh, Aaron Daniel, who's in the industry, uh, is on the committee. So and myself. So they're our, sort of our councillors, our sort of um, appointed councillors. We have a number of ex-officios representing key sectors in the horticultural industry. So Mark Dakey, you've just spoken to him. So he's the ex-officio for Citrus, and he's on our committee. Uh, Grant Piggott, who used to work for the show, mm -hmm. now is uh, an executive officer for the Apple and Pear people. So he's on our committee as the ex-officio for Apples and Pears, and so he's a member of the committee. Des Betcher, Orchids, a big part of uh, the show. So Des is on the committee as the ex-officio for Orchids. And Vito Capoletto, who uh, works for TAFE SA, he's on the committee as the ex-officio for TAFE Floristry. So that makes up our committee. Of course, Jeff, who's now an honorary councillor after many years of service, uh, still a very much a part of our committee and contributing. And my wife, Annette, uh, comes along increasingly getting involved, uh, volunteering, helping with scarecrows and kitchen gardens. So that's really the committee that drives this all year round. Which, uh, it, of course, is a vast amount of experience, but different kind of experiences all coming together. But when you plan a show, a display, what do you believe is the actual role of it? Is it education? Is it promotion? What, what, what's the role that you want people to come along and take a look? Really good point, John. So understand what's the core to what, motivates us or we want to achieve here other than just having something attractive and have lots of people come past and admire it so competition has always been a part of shows the RAHS and competition right across the showgrounds it's not just in horticulture is very much a core function of what we uh, want to achieve um, and the other is exhibition so demonstrating plants in different settings, landscapes, and, and whether it's indoors, outdoors, you know, that exhibition uh, and, I suppose, having something that people find attractive but can learn from. The educational component is very much part of what we strive to achieve and has to underpin everything we do. Um, competition often is in that very formal bench staging uh, environment where people put up cuts and you know, they compete in different classes uh, against other competitors and they get judged uh, by volunteer judges and there's awards and, 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 and some, some small amount of prize money and they, they don't do it for the money, let me tell you, but <laughs> it helps. Uh, right through to this year we've had four of the landscape gardeners back in uh, put in some wonderful landscapes 
which not are, are just attractive, they give people ideas. They give people ideas for what they can do in their garden with different plants and different materials. Looking towards the future, can you see that there's more of the same or with climate change coming on board and other changes, people becoming time poor, uh, are you going to change or how are you going to adapt to those changes? Very good, John. Good question. So the competition area, the bench competition is, I think, becoming more difficult because people are time poor. People have smaller gardens and you have less people who have collections of plants that they want to show, right? And there's a bit of an aged demographic there as well. So we're working hard to bring in new classes for young people like uh, kitchen gardens, like juniors and teenagers, like the scarecrows, mm. where we can get more young people in and we grow our next group of competitors who are going to want to uh, display. My granddaughter's over there in the audience. Uh, her and I grew cyclamen from seed a couple of years ago. She had to help me. We tubed them up. We grew them on. She then got to display one of those plants in the show last year and she won a prize for oh, it. Well so, done. <laughs> and who, who felt the proudest? Uh, your, your daughter or you? Oh, I'd say her mum and dad. Or, 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 or a nana. Anyway, but, but then if you look at the displays, so that's competition. You look at the displays, plant societies play a big role here. So, you know, we've got the Fern Society, the Rose Society, we've got the Bonsai Society, we've got the Orchid people. And a lot of those uh, are where people connect outside of the show to the plants that they love. Giving people information, uh, engaging people in uh, an activity that they're passionate about uh, and learning, uh, but it's also a social connect is a really important part of what we do. But the point I think you raise about education, how do we continue to educate people uh, as we in, uh, experience increasing climate variability, extreme weather events, uh, urban infill, smaller backyards, uh, balcony gardens, all of those, there's a real challenge there about how we uh, continue to connect people to the natural world, the environment. Do you uh, have solutions yet or are you still working on Well, I, I don't know if there's one solution, John. Yes. I think... Um, I, I think uh, programs like the ABC Gardening Program, and, and at that point I'd really like to acknowledge the, the, the outstanding uh, support that we get from you and Deb and have and the ABC over many, many years of promoting what we do here, connecting people what we do here, but also exchanging information. People just want to get a little bit of information about their situation. And I think uh, garden clubs, uh, community gardens, uh, landscape boards, they all have a role. Uh, to help educate people to be able to respond to the situation they're in. Let's take a look at that area of, uh, of garden societies, garden clubs. Mm. They've been going a long time. Mm. 50 or 60 years ago, mm. you would have had almost 100 of them out mm. there, mm. all uh, people passionate coming together once a month learning about it. Mm. One by one, the garden societies are fading away. Mm. Age is getting to them. Time mm. is mm. sort of uh, mm. restricting them. Um, is, are, are we seeing the decline and, and, and will we end up ending and not having garden societies or if, we're, if they are to remain, what kind of support will keep them there? Well, uh, look, uh, so support, but, but I think there's another word, relevance, relevance to people's lives in this day and age. So if you look at some of the uh, societies, you know, I've, I've had a 40 plus year career in horticulture and natural resource management and agriculture. You know, I spent many, many years involved in uh, societies like rhododendrons and camellias and ones like that. And they're still there. They're still there, but they're getting less. 
But then you see club uh, uh, societies like Roses, and we've got the Rose Society here, who have grown because roses are such a contemporary, adaptable plant. Bonsai, Andrew Ward, uh, he's here with, with his uh, team doing a wonderful display on bonsai. They've got the bonsai competition. Anybody can grow some bonsais, right? Doesn't matter how small your house or your garden is, you can grow some bonsais. So I think it's about uh, 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 letting people know what's available, making sure that they're relevant and people connecting. But I think one of the big ones, John, is people living in urban environments. How do we help people uh, deal with smaller areas and space, even balcony gardens, they want to grow a few vegetables in a pot, uh, they want to have a, some indoor plants, they want to connect to a natural environment. We saw through COVID uh, where, where we had so many impacts on people's lives, the one area people wanted to go to most of all was back to the environment outdoors, connecting with nature, which is a good thing. So people are there, they want a garden, they want to be involved in gardening, mm. they need information mm. that will help them to be successful mm. when they're gardening. Mm. I happen to know that there are mountains of information mm. within departmental uh, uh, organisations like the Department of Environment, mm. Departments mm. of Agriculture. Mm. Uh, how do you get the information to the garden public Particularly, as, as you say, the garden societies are fading away. Do we need a, a, a new mechanism, a new, a new method, or a, a, what do you see is the answer there? Yeah, and I wouldn't say all garden societies are fading away. I no, think there's definitely. new ones emerging. Um, we need more John Lambs to put out more good garden he, newsletters, he, yeah. right? Um, and we need more ABC gardening programs, which is such an effective way to communicate and connect with people. Could it be that, uh, so sorry to butt in, uh, the community, uh, we're getting a plethora of, of community gardens, and mm. as mm. garden clubs fade, mm. could it be that the community uh, uh, organisations and the gardens, uh, are they going to be the new form of, uh, of bringing people together and mm. giving them information? Well, I think that's already emerging. I travelled through Europe in the 90s, and I was amazed to see the number of community gardens and I mean gardens where people went and actually lived a part of their life with their little deck chair and their little plot and caught up with their community and had their cup of tea or coffee and grew their vegetables. Mm. In places like Germany and Holland, that was in the 80s and 90s. We're getting there with community gardens and I think that will emerge much more, particularly as we get denser living in cities. I think there's a real role there. Um, We've got landscape boards in Adelaide. We've got the Green Adelaide, which is a, a really big role in connecting people in urban, the urban environment to nature and helping support and grow that grassroots people power around uh, uh, gardening, horticulture, the environment. We've got the National Park City movement, which Green Adelaide's uh, promoted. Uh, and that's all about connecting people in the city environment where they live to nature. It's not about telling people you've got to go you know, three hours that way to connect with nature. You can connect with nature on your side street, on your, you know, the, 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 the side footpath or in your backyard or, you know, in the local park. So that's where the movement's moving, John. And I think you need a collective effort. We need more people being proactive. I think you need communities coming together. The other one I would say has got a huge role here is botanic gardens. I'm yes. passionate about botanic gardens. I spent, you know, nearly 25 years working there. 
love the gardens in the heart of our city and they increasingly I think have a role to connect people both to the environment but also create these opportunities for people to get involved. So people want to be involved and uh, there's a tremendous need for the support for uh, particularly the garden industry if I mm. put it together mm. as mm. an industry and mm. I think you've flagged the fact that there are opportunities out there. Mm. What I'd like to do is perhaps invite you back to talk back gardening in mm. the near future because mm. you're retiring mm. as a CEO for the Department of Environment mm. Mm. And, and particularly pose the question, who's responsible mm. for um, looking after the, the horticultural industries? Industries themselves have got support, mm. but gardeners don't have that support. Mm. And in particular, without becoming too political, you know, mm. is there a need for governments to mm. change or not change their support, but put more money for mm. support and, and support the organisations that you have flagged to? Flagged up. Absolutely, it'd be a great conversation. Yes, after 40 years, 40 years uh, working in the department, I started my, my, my public sector career as a gardener at Mount Lofty Botanic Gardens in the early 80s. And I'm finishing it after being the chief executive of the environment department. So uh, uh, having grown up on a farm and agriculture, I only ever wanted to be a farmer. That's all I ever wanted to be in my life. He ended up being top of the uh, tree yeah, with the like, department. Yeah, but that'd be a wonderful <laughs> conversation, John, because I think you, know, you do need to promote these conversations. You do need to keep... Uh, the mechanisms in place contemporary and relevant to serve the communities of the day. Otherwise, they do die out. You know, they do, they do fade away. So I'd uh, be very happy to come back and have that conversation with you and Deb and the listeners at some point. We look forward to that greatly, John. But how about a big round of applause for John Schultz, Chair of the Horticulture Committee of the Royal Agricultural and Horticultural Society of South Australia, outgoing Director of the Department <coughs> of Environment and Water. Lovely to have you here, John. Look forward to you coming back to talk about gardening. Thank you, Deb. Thanks, John. Thank you. We have got uh, so many more fantastic guests to meet. We're talking about growing gardeners. Well, uh, Urbray High School has had fantastic involvement with the Royal Adelaide Show. We're going to meet the teacher that's been coordinating that and three of the Year 7 students that I think might have won some prizes. Just next, we'll take some calls, uh, sorry, some live questions as well for John Lamb. You're listening to Talkback Gardening live from the ABC stage here at the Jubilee Pavilion. We're on the south side of it. If you're coming to the Royal Adelaide show, come and say hello to us. We would love to see you. That's what we like to hear. Lovely to have a crowd here at the ABC stage in the Jubilee Pavilion. Now, Joy has been waiting very patiently from Ovingham for a question for John before we meet our next young gardeners. Good morning, Joy. Good morning, Deb, and good morning, John. I live in Ovingham, and we have Mediterranean blackberry, um, hackberry in that as a street tree, which... Because I have a garden and I've watered it and I've fertilised it, mine grows four metres higher than everybody else's and has a trunk that has started to burst. You know how they burst if they get too much fertiliser? and that. But, of course, all I want to have in my garden is roots. So it's very difficult to plant anything because mm. you can't, can't even get a hand trowel in, so you can't even put in um, your annuals or anything to, to cover the thing garden. Yes, Have any ideas of how or what? I not without spending a lot of money. <laughs> um, That's not what Joy wanted to hear. No. <laughs> um, can I tell you, uh, when I lived at St Peter's, there were big plane trees out yes. the front yes. in 4th Avenue and I couldn't figure out why my front garden wouldn't perform the way I expected it to until I was digging and I realised that there are roots, not from the garden trees, but 
from strange roots and I had them checked out and they were from plane trees which were coming 20 at least 20 uh, metres away yeah. and uh, I had an arborist come out and the only solution was to have a cut off and so in front of the brush fence they dug, they didn't dig, they used a sort of a, uh, air pressure, water pressure now and they make this little, tiny little sort of uh, hole, a uh, channel um, and, and it was down probably a, 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 over a metre deep and, they, and then they put some plastic lining uh, on one side of the uh, channel and then they backfilled it with cement. Problem solved, all I had to do was pay for it. Um, that was I mean that's the ultimate solution it's probably the only solution Uh, what you can do is make sure that you're watering your tree and I would try and water the tree out the front uh, in a particular spot always and and only water it in that that area but on the uh, as far away from your your garden as you yeah. possibly can, uh, I would certainly be thinking about seeing getting uh, somebody to do a, a cut-off drain on the inside of the fence and just cut that off. Yes. And then if you go down deep enough, put some plastic there, backfill it with sand so that uh, when you have to do it, dig it out in five or six years' time, it's easier to dig the sand out than the clay. Right. Good luck Thanks with that, Joyce. Sounds Thank like you, you might much. need an arborist. Thank you very much for joining yeah. us. Thank you. On the text line, which is 0467922891, Cathy from Victor Harbour is enjoying the program. Cathy, great to have you on board. Baza says, some friends of mine started a bonsai business a few years ago. It's going so well they've just moved into smaller premises. How about that? So, it just shows you it can be done. Uh, Barb says, local councils need to leave green spaces in new subdivisions for gardening, play, etc. It makes for better communities. And Emma says, the younger folk need to see the connectivity and friendship that exists within gardening clubs. All this communicated via social media to engage them will make it transparent. Well, speaking of young gardeners, it is a real pleasure to welcome to the stage some students and teacher from Erbray High School. This is oh, this is Amanda Benger, who is a horticulture and agriculture teacher at Erbray. Hi, Amanda. Good morning. Lovely to have you here. And on the stage, we've got Emily. Welcome, Linda and May. We'll talk to you in just a moment. Now, uh, Amanda, it's your first year as a teacher at Erbray High School and you've gone in boots and all. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, lots and lots um, to do in the horticulture area, lots of um, opportunities at the school in terms of wonderful orchards, or orchards, sorry, um, native uh, food um, block and we've got um, wonderful nursery and Lots of infrastructure ready to go. Great. And did you have a background in agriculture or horticulture before you came into the school? Yeah, so I studied ag science back in undergrad and worked in horticultural research for a time um, as well and then became a teacher. So oh. super exciting to inspire young people and um, yeah, get them on board with all the amazing things that horticulture can offer in That's terms of right. production and ornamentals and things. The yeah. right teacher we were talking earlier can really inspire students and I hope that's what's happened here. Uh, but just before we speak to um, the students here, there has been a long-standing um, relationship, hasn't there, with Erbray High School and the Royal Adelaide Show? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So we um, engage in many activities here at the show. Um, we've got obviously many agricultural areas at the school from cattle, pigs, sheep, chickens, aquaculture, um, horticulture, a whole range of things. But we also are involved in the Learning Centre here at the Royal Adelaide Show. So 
Ebre Agricultural High School runs a learning centre um, and it involves some 200 odd students and a huge number of staff um, and where anyone can go in and have an experience putting some baby animals and learning about food from um, sort of paddock to plate mm. and learning. Um, also, we have a, an amazing wetlands at Urbay Agricultural High School. So I've been there. It's fantastic. It is amazing. <laughs> it so really we've got is. that section there as well. Well, look, it's all about kick-starting the next generation of gardeners. And I know that in terms of the Goiter Pavilion and the horticulture competitions that you encourage your students to be a part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. How well have you gone this year as a high school? Oh, amazing. I'm so proud of the students. So students in Horticulture Club have entered a whole bunch of entries we've come out with about 12 prizes including a grand champion for potted plants and is that grand champion of potted plants here Linda is that you yes that's me <laughs> congratulations now what did you pot so I potted a succulent in a wooden pot yep and did I... you put a lot of uh, effort into the creativity around how it looked yes I found a very nice creative pot which was very heavy, though. <laughs> Hard to transport. How, how do you feel about being the, the junior champion? Have you entered a competition before this one? No, I've never done horticulture um, entries before. This was my first time, which was very exciting. Linda, well done. Linda, how did you feel? Uh, you come out with a blue ribbon. How did you actually feel? What went on in your mind when you won that prize? Oh, I was very excited. <laughs> I really didn't think I would get anything. <laughs> and how many kids did you tell on your uh, Social phone? media? Social media. <laughs> no one, I don't have social media or anything oh! like that. So. <laughs> there you go. That's how you get kids into the garden. Keep them away from social media. We're loving that. Yeah, no, that's well done. That's yeah. brilliant. Now, uh, Emily, you won the first prize for dried herbs. Yes, I, um, at our home we have a lot of dried herbs like bay leaf, rosemary and we have a lot of thyme and different, like lemon thyme and different herbs so I picked some of them. Okay. Why are you involved in gardening? Well, I just, like since, since I could walk I've been around our garden and we, we have like a very like big garden that we've expanded on over years and um, I just really enjoy it. Who's the inspiration? Mum or Grandma, Granddad? Well, really like my mum and dad, my whole family, like they... They're all gardeners. Yeah. yeah. Like it's compulsory. <laughs> <laughs> and so how important is it uh, at school that you've got, given that you're a gardener at home, that you've got so much opportunity to learn about horticulture through your high school? Well, I think it's, like, I think it's really good that we um, get this experience and um, like considering it's a, it's a great school and we get to do a lot of stuff and I just, I think I'm really lucky to be able to enter stuff in the show. Well, you've done very well. So. Okay, and, and May, what about yourself? Um, where did, or how did you get involved in, in becoming a, a budding gardener? Well, yeah, um, again, because I've been in the garden since I could crawl and we also have a Fajoa orchard, which is around, ah. I think, 1,600 trees. So we've always been there and our grand grandparents own a vineyard so we've always been getting active in gardening and doing whatever in that range I guess. So do you get much information on fruit growing at Urbro? Yeah we haven't really been we've been in the orchards actually during horticulture club and we've been learning about what grows when and different kinds of plants that I've actually never seen before 
So the club, is that actually part of uh, uh, your education? Oh, it's part of your education, but is, is that in your, your time or the school's time? Extracurricular, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, so horticulture clubs at lunchtime, so we chose... There's not... I don't... We do ag, but we don't really always pot stuff up. We do stuff in the gardens. We've got our own veggie patches then. Um, so we... They've given us our own plots and we plant stuff in there. So it's really in the school's time and my time. So I drive people mad talking about climate change. Is that something that interests you? Yeah, um, during primary school, because of COVID, they didn't teach us much about it, but I am still interested in learning about it. How do you feel about... I mean, in the future, it could be it's going to be hot and dry... Um, and yeah. it could be you won't be able to garden because it's too hot and dry. How will you feel about uh, us, the generation that ignored and didn't do anything? I would be really upset because knowing that we could have done something and we just didn't is would be really sad because, well, it's kind of, it may, would make other people think we were just kind of lazy, leaving it there and not really caring. Well, May, there's a clarion call for all of us, isn't there, to do what we can do about it. Uh, May, Linda, Emily, congratulations on your entrance. Uh, Amanda Benja, congratulations on the involvement of Urbray High School and Thanks sweeping so, so many prizes yeah, here you. at the Royal uh, Adelaide Show. How about a big round of applause for our young gardeners? Lovely to meet you, and I hope you're inspired to enter next year again and we, we get to catch up with you then. Thank you so much for joining us. And speaking of young gardeners, on on site here, we've got Alexander from Blackwood. Hello, Alexander. Hello. How old are you? Nine. Are you a gardener? Yeah. What's your favourite part of gardening? Well, just being in nature, I yeah. like it a lot. Beautiful. Uh, what a great thing to say. Now, what's your question for John Lamb? What's a good hedge for privacy? A good hedge for privacy. Well, there is a big choice out there. Do you want one with fruit on it or do you want one with flowers on it? <laughs> well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. No, OK. Um, well, my favourite is a thing called a, a cisgium. You could call it a lily pilly. Lily pillies, you can have little ones which are about your height or ones that are a little bit taller, not that are much taller than you, or you can have ones that are almost up to the ceiling, so you can have tall ones or small ones, depending on the size of the hedge. But a lily pilly is very good because, uh, A, it's an Australian plant, B, it's very, very tough, and so uh, if, you don't, uh, if you're busy doing something else at school or playing footy or something like that, forget to look after it, it won't mind too much. Uh, but it's a very, very valuable kind of a plant. Another one which is worthwhile thinking about is a bottle brush. A bottle brush. When you're driving home, uh, ask your mum or dad, whoever you're driving with, to point out a bottle brush because it'll have lovely big bottle-like red flowers on it. And the birds love it. And I reckon they would also make a, a very, very good hedge. Now, you, uh, there's little small ones, so they're only about that high, but it's much better to have some of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's Alexander, isn't it? Yeah. yeah okay. Were you on... Uh, did you come out of the program a couple of years ago? You did. Uh, you did. Yeah, I think I can remember. You were, <laughs> you were very, very keen in, in horticulture. And, yeah, and again, you asked some good questions. So, nice to talk to you again. Good gardening.
You too. Thank you very much, Alexander. Yes, we love to clap our young gardeners. Now, we've got Penelope from Tanunda. Now, you've got a delphinium question, Penelope. Welcome. Good morning, Deb and John. Um, delphiniums are one of my favourite flowers. Um, don't tell the Rose Society that. Uh, but I bought some last year and um, I think they drowned in all the rain we had. I've now bought some more. How do I look after them? Well, I think if you don't look after them, you can probably get some from the show here. There's some magnificent displays here at the show. But uh, a delphinium, um, they're not... uh, People grow them as annuals, but they actually sort of grow a little bit longer than that. So if you've got them growing in the garden or in a container? In the garden. In the garden, right. Well, just enjoy the flowers and uh, eventually the flowers will sort of just fade away and when that happens just chop the stalks off back at the base and uh, uh, it's important that you don't disturb it at that particular stage because it's got to build up energy for next year's flowers. So uh, as the flowers are starting to fade, I would actually put on some extra fertiliser. People put on fertiliser before they start flowering, but if you're smart, you'll put on uh, things like bulbs and and, and, uh, plants, uh, perennials that keep on uh, keeping on, then they need extra nutrition, and the time to feed them is after the flowers have faded. So get a good liquid fertiliser, good organic fertiliser, and uh, give it a good watering, and I'd Try and keep the leaves alive as long as you possibly can. You'll find that they'll fade as we get hotter weather and the soil dries out. You'll find that they'll just die down and they won't be very, very active and they can't sort of uh, take in very much nutrition at that stage. So look after them after they're flowering, while they're flowering. Enjoy them while they're flowering and look after them after they're flowering and you should have brilliant delphiniums next year. Thank you, John. Thanks, Penelope, for the question. Uh, We have got Brett Draper, Deputy Chair of the Horticulture Committee at the Royal Agricultural and Horticultural Society. Have to ask you first question, what have you got a prize in or how did you go with your horticultural questions? Maybe I shouldn't have asked that. Or is it good news or bad news? Well, it's good news, Deb. Yes, I actually had quite a successful day yesterday. Um, So it was the second showing of daffodils and the third showing of camellias. So I entered some daffodils and picked up a champion daffodil. Um, Of course you did. (laughs) And some other first place awards in the daffodil competition. And I also picked up champion semi-double camellia. So... (laughs) (laughs) And I have one Japonica camellia plant at home, which um, um, is almost at its end. And with all the weather that we've had, all this inclement weather, the flowers were almost finished. And and late Thursday afternoon, before it turned really nasty, I picked four flowers which were hanging down so the rain hadn't got into them. And they weren't, to me, they weren't that fantastic. Um, but I put them up anyway and, uh, and, and picked up that champion. And, and I, I there guess, you go. And it just goes to show that, that other competitors, because you don't know unless you enter, but other competitors will be in the same situation potentially and their flowers could be damaged as well. So regardless of what's going on, just have a go. And as you sort of win at one level, you, does that mean you, you move up to ne- another level and uh, maybe it gets a little bit harder? <laughs> no, it doesn't get any harder than this level, John, let me tell you. <laughs> Each year you enter your tomato sauce yeah. and you're very, very proud of sometimes winning. How did you go this year? Yeah, well, I did. Um, and so that was that was judged uh, just pre- prior to the show, I'm on first place for that tomato sauce. Oh. So, um, oh. but, but, but unfortunately, I 
I can't claim it was my own tomatoes this year because they wouldn't ripen all at once when I needed them. So when I made the sauce back in April, I actually did have to buy some tomatoes this time. But it doesn't matter. They were still good tomatoes and the sauce came out spectacular. So, so how did you rate this year's show? Wow. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm probably a little bit biased in a, in a, lot, of, in a lot of ways, but um, I think I'm very proud, actually, of what we've put together as a committee this year. Um, it's always a challenge, and, and each year we strive to improve um, and adapt and evolve, if you like, in what we do. Um, and um, it, it, what we do is very bespoke. We have to reinvent displays every year, um, and, and there's lots of moving parts to our section. Um, you know, so we have to make sure that all of those parts complement each other as well. But really, I, I, I'm exceptionally proud of how the displays have come together this year. The weather has been relatively kind in terms of how the plants have looked, and they're holding up spectacularly. I mean, you know, they've now been inside for well over a week. Um, and um, most of them are looking just as fresh as when we put them in there, which is really spectacular. Yes, I was going to mention the fact that the display looks as fresh today as it did almost uh, on the first day we walked in on, on Saturday. Mm. Uh, at this stage, maybe it's appropriate to say that though those flowers and the vegetables and all the things that are out there, they don't, don't just magically disappear. Uh, they can be put to good use. You actually sell most of those things after the show. That's right, John, we do. So um, we actually have a, a, a post-show plant sale um, on Monday and Tuesday um, in the North Goida Pavilion. And so as a committee and a group of volunteers, um, and thank you to all our volunteers that, that, that pitch in and help, but we'll work tomorrow night between 8 and up to midnight. Hopefully we'll get out before midnight, but we've got up until midnight to um, pull uh, plants from displays um, that they're in currently and we'll have them ready um, in preparation for the sale um, starting at 8am Monday morning. Um, and the public are welcome um, to come in um, to uh, enter and park in Rose Terrace Car Park 1 and enter through the Duncan Gallery. It will be well signed. All right. Won't you, they won't have to pay at that stage? No, no, they won't need to pay at that stage. No, not at all, John. And, and, and because we've looked after the plants so well, I mean, admittedly, yes, they have would, well, they will have been inside, you know, for, for 10, nearly, tw nearly, well, nearly two weeks. When people get them home, they will require a little bit of TLC initially. So, you know, they're going to need a seaweed-based plant tonic. Um, and if we have some hot weather, I think next Thursday is looking like it might be 28 at this stage. You don't want to necessarily put them straight out in that sun, keep them in a sort of sheltered or semi-shaded position just for them to re-acclimatise. Um, but um, and, and I think people that have been to one of our plant sales before, and even I know from my own experience, once I get the plants home, I leave them for a week or two in that sort of situation, just give them a little bit of care before planting them out in the garden, and they grow on and perform beautifully. I bought some great orchids last year, so... I'll be down here at 8 o'clock in the morning <laughs> trying to get hold of some more. I would highly recommend it to people. Oh, and in terms of pricing, I mean, obviously you're not going to give them away, but are they bargain price or are they sort of normal price you'd pay at a garden centre? Yeah, so they're, they're fair prices, John. So they're not, I wouldn't say bargain bargain. There are some bargains, but um, they are um, slightly less than what you would probably pay at a garden centre. But purely for the reason, as I said, they have been inside for that period of time and they'll just need a little bit of TLC around that. But, um, um, they, you know, they, they are very good quality and there are lots of them. So, um, yeah, I think there'll be... People will be very, very pleased. There'll be a, a, a lovely selection to choose from.
You're with Deb Tribe and John Lamb, live from the Royal Adelaide Show on ABC Radio Adelaide. Jeff Fuller is very well known as a horticulturalist. and I first came across him many, many years ago when he was uh, the CEO of a very, very innovative uh, pot manufacturing uh, company uh, where were they making uh, pots for industry, which are a little bit better and uh, had better drainage and aeration and things like that. Then uh, he became the CEO of the nursery and garden industry and uh, uh, a great deal of wisdom there and there was uh, some turbulent times, but he's come through that and uh, he has now for many many years he's been involved with uh, the horticultural uh, committee here Uh, Jeffrey let's go back to the beginning uh, where perhaps uh, the displays were not in the Goida pavilion tell us about where they used to be and what they were right good morning John and Deb Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm a little old, but uh, I can head back to Centennial (laughs) Hall, uh, where some of the uh, displays back then were fairly rudimentary. I started with Trevor Ramford and the Apple and Pear, helping him set up there. Uh, Then we went on to uh, Chris Steele Scott, as a name you may remember, who organised a lot of the displays in the Centennial Hall. they weren't too bad at all, but over the years they evolved into something more. And as John Schultz and Brett have said, how we can do more education in those aspects. So when the Centennial Hall was, was knocked down and the new uh, areas were built, I became involved with the garden weeks and garden festivals through the nursery industry. And some of those shows were, were fantastic. We, uh, we brought in a house one year. Uh, we brought the windmill from Handorf, you may recall that. Uh, we reassembled it down here. It went backwards when we got it there. We did something <laughs> wrong. We, and we did have to cut the, the tines back so they'd fit in so they could turn. And one uh, of those occasions, you, you actually, the Queen was here. Uh, 1986. Uh, uh, the Queen Elizabeth came through. Uh, we had a wonderful committee. We have always had strong committees, uh, and this uh, this area where it started from for what we really needed as a committee probably was back when the Queen came because it was so important. Uh, Can I just step in and say it's a year today that we woke to the news of her that's death? That's right, it is. So it's yes. very fitting that we're talking about this. Yes, um, an amazing, amazing lady. I did meet her. I've got the photos, the whole lot. <laughs> um, she did ask a question of. Uh, yeah, do you grow all these? I, I was very eloquent. And I, I, I've had a go, ma'am. <laughs> you do get tongue-tied in front of us. She was an incredible woman, fantastic. But Wonderful experience. It was, it was. Uh, but that particular function uh, proved to us what we needed to do for the future of promoting horticulture correctly. Uh, and that was professionally. You know, there was no, nothing against the people who were there before. Uh, but uh, we had an obligation to promote properly. And that's what we're doing right through my career with the nursery industry, is to make sure uh, that we covered all aspects. Many Uh, industries are represented here, and there are people in the horticultural industry, the garden industry, that are uh, involved in the show. But the nursery industry itself is not here. Why not? Um... We've got to be careful here. I know that. I um, <laughs> but uh, it's it, it, it changed a bit. The focus has changed on how some associations are perceived and what they need to do and what they want to do. What I'd like to see done is uh, a step up from the nursery industry and, and their members to help promote. We've got four wonderful gardening 
display areas here. Uh, only one member was involved in that, and that was a retail member. What I'd like to see is more involvement from us to there, because we get an enormous benefit from these shows in our industry. People come from here, they head out to the garden centres and buy, and they purchase, and uh, they get the, the ideas from here. So we've got to be more involved in this. We've got to do our share, John. We must do our share. My perception is that if you go to a garden centre, they're selling virtually the same plants as they were 20 years ago. Uh, the same products are there. Oh, there are newer products, but are they getting hold of that? But, but the, the climate is changing. And if you go to a garden centre and say, uh, can I have some shade cloth? Sometimes they sort of say, oh, we haven't got our shade cloth in yet. Or uh, do you believe that... Uh, uh, I won't say the garden centre to change. You know, that's not your role today. But uh, the show society and this committee is started off with, with putting little flowers in bottles and, yes. and, uh, and putting on plants in displays. Uh, is it still relevant or does it need to change? It has to change. Climate change is real. How we work with that is, uh, is common sense in a lot of ways. Shea cloth, uh, we, we talked about the tomatoes, we're growing our own veggies and all this. We must still do this, we can still do this, but we've got to be careful and understand that the, the, the climate... People go back, oh, no, it was hot in the old days. The old days don't exist anymore. We've changed. We've got plants that are the same name, but they're better bred. We're hybridising. Uh, they're a lot stronger in the root systems that can evolve. But if we don't get our soil structure properly done initially, we won't grow anything at, well, of, of anything of value at all. We go back onto, onto the shade cloth, bring out shade cloth. That's what it's developed for, shade the plant. Uh, we get a better product. Uh, we don't have to have 100% shade or 40. There's so many. There's 25, 30, 50, 70%. And we use that to get the best out of the product. The products aren't cheap in the garden centres nowadays, and we can't expect them to go out and put them straight in. Brett mentioned he keeps his out for, for a fortnight before we do, uh, and we must work with the environment and with what we can use sensibly and with common sense in the garden. So come back to the display itself, and I don't mean to be at all critical because it's a butte show and what they put on is very, very relevant for now, but things are going to change. Uh, you're a retiring uh, committee member. What advice would you say, or, or uh, would you care to comment on, on, on how maybe the committee could change its display to be relevant for the future. But I, I think that's one thing we must do. We haven't got anything in the, in the fact of... Uh, it's all indoor, uh, but we've brought plants indoor. The, everything's an indoor plant in real time, uh, real terms. We bring plants indoor. So uh, what we can do can be uh, more uh, proactive in, in, uh, in presenting shade cloth doesn't matter if it works or not during the show, but give you the ideas. We need to do more of the, the type of paving displays with correct paving and how it's put down. Uh, we need to be interactive. Uh, more of the, of the demonstrations that we do. We've got a wonderful demonstration program here, but we're we are preaching to the converted. What we need to do is preach more to uh, and bring 
New Gardeners Inn. The, the youth of today from Mirbray, a magnificent school, and they do it well. I pass on a comment that, OK, you put him on your displays, your lecture, lectures, and they're being drowned out by the music from oh, the concert. Yeah, what a joke that is. Uh, we've tried so hard to work... work Tell us between. what you really think, Jeff. Um, well, we've been battling this for ages now because the program there, and they bring out things... Uh, uh, most of the... Uh, the real entertainment on stage think all people are deaf, so they go up another few decibels. We don't need to. It's like all things. Communication and cooperation, and that's what we have to have at this show. We're all together, and we can all work with one as long as we communicate, but that's in life as well. Yes, well, um, I think there's a lot of experience there, and I don't think that it's going to go away, and I'm sure that the committee will make maximum use of somebody with your knowledge and understanding of the industry, and thank you for being very, very frank. No, yes. Th thank you for Jeff and I have known each other for a long time. We've argued over many things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, uh, I probably knew him when he was, he was a wandering youth around uh, the stock journals when he used to wander all over South Australia getting... Uh, stories from all the card and yes. a wonderful career, John. Well, before that was the ABC. I used to be the ABC country, I compare, but that's, that's a story right. for that's another, oh, that, another We are day. going to have that story told. Yeah. But how yeah. about a big round of applause for Jeff Fuller because he is one of the longest standing members of the Horticulture Committee on the brink of retirement. Great to have you, Jeff. Thank you, Brett Lord. Draper, before we let you go, a couple of quick questions on the text line. Will the scarecrows at the show be going to the Botanic Gardens again for display? I thought it was a great idea and an opportunity for more people to see them. It it was, Deb, a great idea, but unfortunately at this stage there's no plans for that. We did that um, as a result of COVID, as you'd be aware the show was cancelled, but um, the Governor was here earlier this week at the show. Um, he recently um, selected two scarecrows to go to Government House, so two scarecrows will be going to Government House for official Scarecrow duty in the Government House <laughs> Vegetable Garden. And just uh, another question. Are all the displays staying in place all day tomorrow if I decide to come to the show? And the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, come along to the Goiter Pavilion. Thank you, Brett Draper, for everything you've done for us. Uh, as always, for another great Royal Adelaide show. John, how are our soil temperatures going this week? Soil temperatures are yo-yoing. They were nice and warm. Almost got to 14 degrees last week. Uh, we got some cool nights, and so they're down round about the 12 to 13 degrees. But what's, what's going to happen? Because we're going to have days in the uh, next week where temperatures are going to be up round about the high 20s, so soil temperatures will increase pretty quickly. The question... I suppose, are you ready? It's mm. going to get hotter sooner than maybe we ha it has in the past. Well, it's up to 28 uh, degrees next that's week. That's right. So uh, you might consider ordering your seedlings, but make sure that you're preparing the ground at this stage for the uh, plants so that when they do come in that uh, they won't be stressed. But uh, I think uh, there's a lot of interest in what we're about to receive. Yes, exactly. So I guess preparation right now, and there's probably going to be a run on the plant shops and garden centres very shortly. <laughs> yes, I think ordering your seedlings now would be a good idea. Ordering your shade cloth for later on now might be also a good idea. And I think uh, maybe taking a look at your irrigation system. You probably haven't touched it for, 12, uh, for six months, mm. so uh, it's time to get that out, check it out, to make sure it's working, because it could be you might need it sooner than you think.
Wonderful. Well, hasn't it been a great couple of uh, weeks here at the Royal Adelaide Show on the ABC stage, John? It's been great fun. I always look forward to it. And I would suggest that it's time for me to go back into my garden until next week. I'll say good gardening. Big thank you to the wonderful John Lamb.